what quarterback prospects made their step forward this weekend in the college game. Who exactly is Drake London and where is he looking at this upcoming NFL draft cycle? And a couple of guys that made some differences on their teams going in different directions in college football. Welcome to Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, I'm joined by my guy, Ryan Tracy. And we both want to thank you for making this your first listen of the day. All right, Ryan, how you doing? I'm hanging in. It's been uh, an interesting weekend, right? And we're we're getting down to where things start to change real, real quick with one loss or, or one change. Prospects' future is being decided right now, and, and there was a lot going on this weekend. Where do you want to start? I think with, with uh, Matt Carell, let's talk about some of these quarterbacks and just situations that are going on, especially with the draft. And nobody is really sure about this class and the quarterback position and who's going to be the top dog. But one thing is for sure, you got Matt Carell who – I think more so than anybody, he's, for the most part, been playing very consistent at a decently high level. What are your thoughts on him so far? Yeah, I think so, too. This is like this is the point where it's the the class, I think, in terms of rankings, is all up for grabs still. So any step forward that you can make this late in the season, I think, is uh, another feather in your cap. And for him to sustain a – I wouldn't call it a, a naturally significant injury, but anytime you have to go in the locker room with an ankle injury, when you're a, a mobile quarterback that uses your legs to, to good effect on the field, that's that's important to see him come back, continue to push through. You know, it wasn't like a banner day, but I think that that leadership aspect is probably something that teams are looking for in the evaluation cycle because they've seen him throw and they've seen him run and they've seen him lead a team. So now it's, how tough are you? How much do you put the team first in, in trying to come back through that? And I think there's a, probably a step forward for Matt Corral, in my opinion. Yeah, you look at Matt Corral and just kind of how he stacks up against the other quarterbacks in college football. And he's actually not throwing the ball around as much as some of the other guys. He's completing passes at uh, 66%. But as far as yardage goes, he's sitting at, what, 2,200 yards right now. And when you look at some of the other guys, and we're going to talk about this next guy, Kenny Pickett, Pickett has thrown for 500 more yards. Uh, his average per attempt is higher. His completion percentage is higher. What are some of your thoughts on Pickett? Because he's definitely someone that's kind of making his way towards the top now as he's you know been consistent for uh, University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, a step forward for him as well. I know that, what is he, 26 versus three interceptions on the season. He threw one this particular game. But anytime you get to a point in your career – where uh, the announcers have to say he has now broken Dan Marino's record of X, mm. um, that means something, right? And so yeah. the interesting thing for me is, and this happens to me every year, is watching a player's big season, You know, whether it's their senior year or their you know, retro sophomore that starts to, to really score on the field. Like For me, I want to take a step backward, too, and look at their career path as well, take a look at what kind of production you had as a junior, you know, for this case, for a guy that is in his senior season, you know, how much has your progression been 
are you topped out? Have you evolved as much as you're going to evolve? Or is there room for upside still at the NFL level? And for me, I, one of the big takeaways for me is always how much do you control the ball? How much do you score versus interceptions? That touchdown or interception ratio is one of the key metrics for me that I watch. And I think he's definitely still way out front in terms of being a, a safe quarterback that is moving the ball, like you said, uh, for good yardage. I think that this this was a, another game that put him a little bit closer to the top. I think these two guys might be the two top. Yeah, and we have other guys that are kind of trying to make a late push for this quarterback thing. And you have Carson Strong, a guy out of Nevada, who's he's playing at an extremely high level, completing over 70% of his passes right now. And, you know, you, you look at what he's doing, and he just had a big game against UNLV. Now, I, I get it. Uh, you know, not maybe not the, the best competition. And that's something that Strong is going to have to deal with, not playing in the SEC like, you know, some of these other guys, like a Matt Corral, where week in and week out, he's faced with tough challenges. You know, he just played against UNLV, where his team, his school won 51 to 20. But in the process, he threw for over 400 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's a big kid with a nice, good arm. And I know a lot of people really like him. You know, that's going to be a guy who's – Definitely going to be intriguing the more we dive into this quarterback situation. And speaking of quarterback situation, they definitely have one at Oklahoma. And you have a young guy, Seth Williams, I believe. And, I mean, Rattler, we're not hearing anything about him. Again, a guy who coming into this process was kind of pegged as the number one guy, uh, potentially a number one overall pick. And now it seems like he shouldn't even be entering the draft. Am I right? You know, that's kind of where I'm sitting too. Like for his long-term career path, I think it's probably best to enter the portal, find a new home so that you can really hit the ground running with that and really make your name back. Cause you had the name. So they've seen you do it at some point. And yes, <clears throat> not to, not to play too much with his name, but, but Rattler has been rattled this season. And that doesn't mean <laughs> that you throw yeah. out everything that you had before. Right. So right. I think, it, I think it's worth him going back to school transferring, get into a program hopefully uh, with some continuity in terms of concept that he can hit the ground running. And I think he can rebuild that reputation with another season. All right. So man, it's nice to touch on these quarterbacks and we're going to get into some, another quarterback situation, but really more so of this receiver that's standing out at USC, regardless of what's going on at that quarterback position and how maybe his season has come to an end. All right. We'll get right to that next. All right, y'all, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that's letting you catch the game live. you got another one that's letting you stream your favorite shows. And you have another one where you're catching sports highlights all on your phone or tablet. And you got your neighbor's best friends log in to do all of this stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a more simpler way to get all of your entertainment that you love without hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like you never have seen before, so you can catch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. All right, so you can get rid of the clutter, the confusion, and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. And you can learn more by going to directtv.com. All right, that's Direct tv.com and it's compatible with all different devices but the content varies by the package direct tv stream get that now all right right so we got drake london and, and he's kind of uh, this might be like the drake london 
fan show because I've talked about him several times. I, I try to bring him up anytime we can. We're talking about a West Coast guy, so they don't get a whole lot of love, but his numbers have been astronomical. He's been playing at an extremely high level. Uh, every week he's been mm-hmm. very productive. You know, we're talking about a guy who even in just not even a full first half last game had, what, nine catches for like 90 yards, uh, scored a couple touchdowns. Talk about Drake London. The 6'5", 210, 215-pound receiver out of USC. Got his leg rolled up in that game, and it did not look good. The way his ankle got kind of like stuck under him, I'm like, gosh, you don't want to see that. But when it comes to this injury from Drake London, a guy who has been so productive and one of the most dominating receivers in college football, even with a guy you know he's getting the rock and he's still able to produce, what does this injury, what impact does this injury have on his draft stock? I mean, right now as we record, we don't have any any true diagnosis, but I agree with you. It, it didn't look good. And I think if there's any kind of, of suspect nature about just how the severity is, yeah, if it's even just a high ankle sprain, sometimes those take a few weeks, six weeks, eight weeks to come back from and be able to produce like you have. And for, for him, after the season that he's had, and what is he, over 1,000 yards at this point. Like you said, had had 80 on the night. He got hurt scoring his second touchdown of that ball game. For me, it would be very difficult as somebody, you know, say as his agent or even as his coach to say, you know, fight through, try to get back for a bowl game so that you can try to go because that's going to be the last impression you leave scouts with. If you make that bowl game, that's going to be the last thing people see of you in your college career. And I think you don't want to tarnish what you've done already by by playing through an injury there that may or may not allow you to even look like yourself. So I think for probably in all intents and purposes, most people are going to advise or I'm going to tell them to shut it down and, and look forward to the NFL and stand on what you've done, which is a record that's really, really impressive as it stands. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been doing great. You know, when, in terms of maybe where he might go in the draft, and I've seen some people say, man, this is for sure a first-round guy. Maybe second, you know, and maybe some of it would be predicated on how well he runs. He is this big athletic guy who uses his body extremely well to shield away guys. Uh, you know, he's high point. He's doing tremendous. He hasn't been the most explosive guy. I know sometimes coming out of college, they're looking for the big plays. I think his longest play came last week where it was like a 43-yard catch on a double move, and that was tremendous, but they haven't been utilizing him there. And I, I talked about the quarterback situation, Keaton Slovis, all the expectations that he had heading into this season has not played out probably to his liking. I'm sure he had got benched at one point for Dart, but then Jackson Dart gets injured. Now Jackson Dart is back, and they they kind of did this two-quarterback thing yesterday where uh, you had Slovis play most of the snaps. Dart would come in every once in a while and have him a possession he actually, I believe, threw a touchdown to Drake London. You know, regardless of the quarterback situation, he's still been able to produce at a very high level. But, again, not the most explosive guy. I'm curious to see, like, where do you think he might go in the draft? Is it going to be kind of like how they looked at uh, Michael Pittman Jr., who got drafted one of the first picks in the second round? Maybe because he wasn't the most explosive guy, twitchy guy, fast guy. Or do you think people might disregard that, say this dude has been extremely, extremely productive. He's going first round no matter what. 
You know, I think he's a fifty top fifty round uh, draft pick selection all day yeah. long. I still have him in the first round. I think what you're going to fight, and and we don't know obviously uh, unless you know somebody in scouting departments within the league that are willing to share with you where they had him ranked going into the season. But he wasn't really high on a lot of boards, right? So he this season has crept him up. He has climbed really significantly into the first round. I don't even think Matt Miller had him in his top one hundred. So at this point, I, I think that he's it's probably uh for most outside scouts have him as still as a first rounder maybe bottom third or whatever you want to call it that's just the way that that i tend to tear things out for me i still think he's a first round selection as well because i think if anything playing with Pittman and Pittman's recent success i think maybe gives you a window into yes there's all kinds of guys that can can burn down the field there's the henry rugs of the league and that kind of thing but you haven't seen that career take off quite as well as Pittman's has right a guy that's a little bit more steady a guy that I think especially has learned to run better routes. And I think that's what London showed as well. Like you said, that double move play, that's something I don't think that they'd seen on film very much the previous couple of seasons. So that's evolution for him too. And I think that is exactly what will really, when you break down the film, how well he runs those routes and gets in and out of his breaks, I think is going to be the determining factor because of what I don't expect to be blinding speed. Right. And for a guy that is, as big as he is, and, you know, he's able to show that fluid movements off. Um, they throw a ton of screens to him. So some of his catches, you know, the amount, it might be a little inflated because they do so many things to just get the ball in his hands. But just see what he does with that and how well he moves and things like that. We know what he could do down the field. Um, it's going to be definitely intriguing to see where guys end up having him, really in their wide receiver rankings, and where he ends up going. All right, but... When we come back, we're going to get into a little bit of the college football playoffs and some prospects from some of these top teams. Georgia, they have a linebacker that is uh, standing out. So we'll get back to that next. All right, guys, I'm pretty sure by now you guys have tried Built Bar. But if you haven't already, man, it is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried it, Built Bar, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it really doesn't taste like one. And you have to try one of these amazing flavors that they have to really believe it. And most protein bars, and you guys know this, I mean, they're chalky, they're waxy, and they just are plain, just hard to kind of really eat through. They're big, they're bulky, not too great, right? But it's like, well, I want to get this protein in me, so I eat it anyways. With Built Bar, you don't have to go through that. And, I mean, come on, it starts off with them having 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, I mean, you're, you're eating something different, and you know it's different. It's different than any protein bar that you have tried. And it's one experience that you will definitely enjoy. Built Bars are low on carbs, calories, low on fat, low on sugar, and they're very high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being just purely delicious with tremendous flavors. And, I mean, speaking of flavors, my favorite, my wife's favorite, salted caramel, for sure. But they have double, double chocolate. They got cherry barcia. They got mint brownie. My daughter loves the mint brownie. All these very good flavors. So right now, and this month is coming to an end, all right? They have some uh, new limited flavors every three to four days. So check out the website more often. You don't want to miss out on this. And so where do you go? How do you find this? All right, you go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. All right, so again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Do that now. Yes, sir. We are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. 
or we got Bet Online that remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action of the season. Head over there right now and up to the updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you're somebody like me, you're going to need this. And how do you get it? You use promo code locked on to receive that bonus. I mean, we got basketball right now. We got football. We got postseason baseball. We got NHL. We got college. We got all these different sports going on. And you, you have way too many options to be able to make some money, man. And, and on this site, they actually have Vegas casino games as well. So you want to take advantage of this amazing offer and it's available through the 2021 season. So right now, what do you do? Man, it's bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. I'm doing that today with the uh, 49ers against the, uh, the Chicago Bears. There's a lot of good games going on. Why not make some money? While you're watching them. So what do you do? You go to bet online. All right. Bet online where the games start. All right, Ryan. So college football playoffs, man. And sitting at the top, you have Georgia. And they have been the most dominating team week in, week out. What are some of your thoughts just on that defense and the specific linebacker they have? Because we talked a lot about their front. And mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to the linebackers yet or the secondary. But there's a specific guy that's standing out to you at that linebacker position. That's pretty easy to do when you pull off a a 50-yard pick six, right? Like You got to stand out at that point. But, I mean, kudos to the Kobe team because I think you're right. We have been so focused on on what a a rare prospect Jordan Davis is. Um, Obviously, with Adam Anderson, what what he does in bringing a special pass rush there. And and I think we are as we go through, especially once bowl games begin, I think we're going to focus on that secondary as well. I think the guy lost in the middle – and maybe it's because of positional value in the NFL is the linebacker level. But if you only saw the highlights, I think you can take away that instincts is something that more and more is playing into the evaluation process for linebackers because they have to play more coverage because you have to have better athletes and you have to shift almost to the point where a lot of teams in the NFL are giving up in terms of like, take on power the ability to stop the run because they want a guy that is more switched towards the pass and i think that's been kind of a, a waiting thing here and i think dean really shows not only that he's, he's certainly intellectual about how he goes about the game and how he understands how the defense works and his role in it but also has the instincts to jump that route that was that was quite a long ways off in my opinion for a linebacker to jump that and and i was really impressed and <laughs> i i had him up in my top five but I think this is going to vault him pretty good. I mean, it's just one game, of course, and it's one huge play. But if that is an example that we tend to see here at, through the playoff, at least, I think he's going to be in the top two, if not the top linebacker on my board by the time it comes around April. Yeah, and, and not just you know just that play and whatnot, or but the playmaking thing it definitely stands out. And you see right now on the season he has two interceptions, obviously uh, the one that went for fifty yards and a touchdown, but. You know, he's up there in sacks as well. You know, he has three and a half sacks on on the season. He's second on this Georgia defense in sacks, and that's with, you know, a a defensive line that is really stout and able to kind of bring the pressure. He's second on their team in tackles. So he's right there in the mix of a lot of impact uh, statistics for Georgia, a team that is really dominating every opponent that they play against. And, you know, we talked about Georgia and kind of where they're at, and I think – for the most part, that's the one school that people say, you know what, extremely dominant. They are for sure the number one team. But you got another team, and we talk about them, Cincinnati. They got Desmond Ritter. He just had another game where he went out. And it's like 
every game is, is, is Desmond Ritter is playing better. He is playing well. But I still don't think we're kind of lumping him into like that top guy. Do you think he can do anything now that we haven't seen to be the top guy coming out of this quarterback class? I don't know that I've seen anything that really says there's growth there this season. I think he's been fairly consistent. Like we saw earlier in the season, a little slow to start, but he's, he has a tendency to come on. I think he's using his legs a little bit better lately. And I think yeah. that's something that is going to help him in terms of, of matching up with the other QBs in the class. It also depends on, on the fronts that he's facing too. We have to be honest with that. And I, I think when you take a look at it and we break down like how much he had to face on the ground versus in the air, I think it will come out favorable in his evaluation long-term. I just don't know where it sits right now. I'm comfortable with him as a it's probably easily a top five quarterback, maybe a top three. I still lean towards him in, a, in the top of the second, like you were talking about. What where do you feel about him? Not yeah, no, it, it, it's tough because you see him and and again, you know, the, the body is there, the all the physical attributes. I think the arm is definitely big enough. Uh, you know, obviously him being able to utilize his legs. You know, right now he's second on his team in rushing with 170 yards. He's only averaging three yards a carry. Uh, three touchdowns. I believe all those numbers are kind of a little bit down from from last year. So definitely, a, he is more of a dual threat guy with a big arm. But I feel like there's just something missing. So he's somebody. And again, I've talked about this before. Right now, we're watching the games, we're watching TV, but we haven't really dove into the film of these guys. I know how I felt about Ritter last year. You know, I'm looking at him this year. I can't wait to see and compare really how he is from a prospect evaluation standpoint you know at number three we got Alabama uh after that you got Oklahoma who you know talked about Kansas uh almost uh beating <laughs> Oklahoma and then after that you got some teams that kind of lumped in there Ohio State they have a loss uh Michigan they just got their first loss Michigan State they're undefeated how are how is the college football playoff committee going to sort this whole thing out in the sense of you know what what are they going to prioritize you got Alabama they have a loss but they're ahead of some undefeated teams but then you have a team like, you know, Ohio State who lost early to Oregon, and Oregon's a top-10 team. But they're playing such good football right now. I mean, Ohio State is on fire. Yeah. How is the college football committee going to sort this whole thing out? I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to go with what they know and what they can expect. So you, like, you can expect that Alabama's going to be in there. You can expect, I think, that Ohio State's going to be in there because of track record. And uh, specifically for Ohio State, because they lost early. I think that yeah. that recency bias and the way that they've come around and gotten to the point where that engine's really running at this point this season, I think that's going to help them out. But the, the question for me is the Michigan team, who I, I think has one of the best pass rush prospects in this class, and, and Aiden Hutchinson, he got another four pressures this last week, but a little flat, I, a little concerning about where that team is going. And honestly, all these prospects – it's one thing to play through your regular season, but if you really want to be considered in the top first round, top half of the first round, you got to show out against elite competition in a primetime bowl game. And so if you're going to start dropping where your ranking is and dropping what kind of opponent you're going to get in a postseason game, that actually affects everybody's outcome because of the exposure. Will the grades still come out probably the same? Most likely, especially if you're going to face a lesser opponent, say in, in Hutchinson's case or even in Ritter's. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to perform against the people that you're playing against, no matter what position, no matter what team it is. I, I think it'll all work out in the end, but I'm really interested to see who gets in there and who's just below that and what that does to the evaluations. 
Right. And real quick, just kind of going over some of Cincinnati's uh, opponents. You got Miami, Murray State, Indiana, Notre Dame, Temple, UCF, Navy, and Tulane. I mean, they're, they're just not playing the big dogs. And you look at some of these other schools like, you know, Michigan State, who just knocked off uh, undefeated Ohio State. Uh, you talk about uh, Ohio State, who uh, that's it, Michigan State, excuse me, just knocked off Michigan. Uh, you talk about Ohio State, who their only losses to Oregon, you know, but then you got sitting at number two, Cincinnati, in both the AP uh, poll and the coaches poll. Do you think that Cincinnati is going to, when it comes down to it, be able to hold some of these teams off, even though they haven't played the same type of competition week in and week out outside of a Notre Dame victory, which was was really good, but mm-hmm. dang, I it's mean, carrying that's... its weight right now, right? And if, if they play out yeah. and they can close out the season without a loss, I think they stay in the top four. But that Notre Dame can't be enough to hold you if you slip or if you start having you know three point games or that kind of thing at the level of competition like you're talking about. You have to be winning convincingly, and this week it worked out. They got to continue that, I think. Yeah, man. Well, I'm pretty sure the college football committee and the big dogs in uh, college football are all hoping, like, please, Cincinnati <laughs> lose so we can get some uh, heavy hitters in here in this top four in the playoffs, man. That's just more incentive for them to expand this thing. But, you know, speaking on expanding, we're going to expand this show. We'll be back Monday talking about some of the results from the NFL, guys, some rookies, how they did. We got uh, Justin Fields kicking off against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Going to start. How is he going to look? Is Trey Lance going to play? I'm pretty sure we'll touch on some more. Are the Kansas City Chiefs playing this week, or are you guys on by? Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football, that's right. All right, so got a lot of football to talk about. Appreciate everybody that checked in. And again, thank you guys for making us your first listen. So from Eric Crocker, from Ryan Tracy, we'll be back. See y'all. Peace.